My spidey sense is tingling. Ayo. Those tones, like the course of a mighty river, are that of Farrington Says, the host, question mark, of the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 79. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Like he said, I am at Farrington Says, and since I got lucky enough to do the intros, I'm going first. Immediately to my right, you will have... <laughs> book, book club. Before I get to who we are, just know that we are four people getting ready to talk about our favorite book. This is harder than I thought it would be. JSA's The Golden Age by James Robbins. If you're just tuning in, I swear we have been doing this for a while. We've been doing 79 episodes, and this is my first intro, so bear with me. Now, to my right, we have Paper Keg founding member, New York hipster, all-around swell guy at Slim on the Twitter. Welcoming myself to the show. (laughs) I'm glad you're not shy, Slim. Thanks for joining. To his right. Everybody's favorite podcast, Bad Boy. Heck of a nice guy. Mm. And quite possibly my favorite. Dale, say what's up to the people. Hey, uh, throwing up deuces to all my friends out there in uh, a digital podcast, uh, Compton. Uh, love you guys. I am glad to see you're ebonically down. And last and certainly not least, the interweb's favorite. If I'm paying attention correctly, I hear he's an unpublished writer, but he is not unpublished in our hearts at Jonesy Loves Beer. How are you? Thank you for having me. Uh, this just in does not have hand cancer, uh, just an acute sprain of my entire right arm. Thanks for having me on medical leave, everyone. <laughs> thank God I was. Thank God it's not the big C. That's all I care about. <laughs> Uh, by the way, not an inflammatory comment, so if you know people with cancer, I'm sorry. So did you send out a text saying, I might have cancer, to just everyone in your contacts, and that's what you're you're now alerting them that you don't on a podcast? Yeah, because I figured that that was the same way I contacted them, so <laughs> if they would be listening, it would be fine. Yeah, I did, however, send a uh, unintentionally inflammatory text to everyone in the paper gag group today. Reminding them that we would be recording on the same time we picked last week. Mm-hmm. It was it very, was like... it was a very smooth <laughs> attempt by Jonesy to let us know that he was going to the doctor, and that he might have some kind of limitating disease. But no, he, we're fine. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're on time. So thanks for that, Jonesy. I played it a loofington. I'm not gonna lie. It was during that text that I realized that you might have issues because. You brought up that you think you have cancer, and then you immediately went on the defensive like we were going to mock you. Because <laughs> I've known Slim like 20 years, that's why. <laughs> what an intro. Thanks for that, Mark. That was amazing. That could be my last intro, folks. Stune in. You won't be bored. Last show ever. JSA <laughs> Elseworlds. 
who's pumped? Uh, I know Mark is. He's wearing his pink polo. That means you, he means business tonight. Can you confirm that? Fourth wall, bro. Fourth wall. <laughs> Right. There may or may not be a pink uh, on. Papercake.com, we're setting the Tumblr on fire. Tumblr is just gracious to have us, but we need to move on and talk about what's happening in your comic world. So we go to one man, Dale underscore A, our Nia's man. Uh, what's happening? What's what's going on in the world? Uh, thank you for that handoff, Slim. Uh, I'm still I'm struggling with my teleprompter right now, but as soon as it comes back up, oh, there we go. Okay, we're back up. Uh, this just in, and when you hear it next Monday, it won't quite be news on the wire. We're gonna talk about it anyway. Gail Simone, DC Comics. Gail Simone uh, writes uh, what Batgirl? Yeah, the one with her, uh, the one with her uh, feet, the legs, <laughs> and um, she revealed via the Twitter to her followers and to the uh, the operating public that she was let go from Batgirl via email from the book's new editor. Rest in peace. So. That uh, the internet's basically on fire still. Yeah, I mean, they, there's fi- there are firemen coming in from out of state to help assist <laughs> with this uh, <laughs> this crazy volatile situation. Uh, there's there's a lot of talk that DC is mishandling their create their creators, the uh, editive the editing team editors. Mm. Uh, they are handling the properties in such a manner that. They could give a rat's s, a rat's a, about uh, creative teams, and it's just uh, this in a long line of DC controversy. I feel excited for the internet that they now have another thing to be upset about. They had James Gunn a couple of weeks back. Mm, you know, now they have cakes. they're walking into this Gail Simone thing, so they're they're feeling fine right now. The internet. Mark, your thoughts on Batgirl, Simone-less. I am one of those people on the interwebs who is angry about it. Gail has done quality work on the book. She's been with DC for more than a couple years now writing all of their big titles. And to be unceremoniously dismissed via email is no class. Um, And it's weird. I mean, it's just probably lucky... Gale, but she was ripped off of Wonder Woman to uh, usher in uh, Straczynski's uh, failed attempt to make an event alleged, out of that takeover. Alleged, alleged. failed attempt. Um, and Birds of Prey yanked off of that. Why do you think she was kicked off? Well, I think that was right around the time they announced the reboot to the New 52. I know, I mean Batgirl. So. Well, looking at her Twitter account, Somebody had asked her, hey, what's wrong, Gail? Did you not put enough women in refrigerators? Making a reference to a Green Lantern title and a phrase that she coined about senseless women violence. And her response was funny. You should mention that, dot, dot, dot. If you look at the sales charts, which I had the intern look at prior to the show, her sales on her book, Batgirl, have been higher than the competition consistently. Hmm. Whether it's Wonder Woman, Supergirl, Catwoman. Back in September 2011, it debuted at number 12, 
And as of November of last month, it was at number 36. That was higher than Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, how and other woman-led books. How many uh, copies she pulling down a month on Batgirl? Intern couldn't find the copy <laughs> number. <laughs> We're letting what, it go. Slim, Slim's always asking the impossible question, like, <laughs> "Dream, give me the, the give me the, just give me the weird fact and figure that I need." Why we're recording? Live. I don't think that's a weird figure. You're gonna come out with numbers saying Batgirl is up at X amount of spots. You, you should Number have 36. the amount of copies sold per month. I'm, I'm I not gonna apologize faith for in that. The, I have enough faith in know. the intern to think that we're gonna get it by the fire. Side, okay. okay, all right. But most importantly, when your sales are high. When you're getting critical acclaim from your book, from your customers and the industry, why do you get ushered off? I don't get it. Do you think it's one of those, oh, I'm sorry, Gail no, Simone ahead, versus editorial? I mean, I know that the talk out of D.C. for many years has been, you know, Dan DiDeo, you know, calls the shots. And if you don't like it, he doesn't give an F about dumping you on the street. Could it be like just behind the scenes bickering that we're just not privy to? Very well could be. And I think the fact that as of the time we're recording this, DC has not had a response is more telling, if anything. Uh, I'd like to play a little devil's advocate here. I wish you would. Um, her Twitter account is probably the most trollish Twitter account <laughs> in the history of Twitter. Like, she could get, she can get sassy. More so than and, uh, the artist of Chew. Oh, well, that's just, uh, <laughs> that's a whole another fire. That's like... Eighth, eighth one of the world fire, <laughs> um, but she she can get she's got some sass in her. So if that um, carries over into her, the way she handles things, her professional persona, yeah, like yeah. maybe she's a terror to work with. Or I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the the woman. I she's she is on my Xbox friends list. Whoa, exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> this just in. Forgive me for interrupting. The intern, hard at work, brought in sales figures for Batgirl through the present. And it looks like when the new 52 started, it sold 81,400 and some change up to last month's issue number 13 with 50,074 copies. So they look like solid numbers. Those are pretty solid solid numbers. numbers. Those are probably better than X-Men. Well, old Marvel, pre-Marvel now X-Men. Yeah. That maybe like uncanny X Men filth. Yeah, poop. <laughs> so just begs the question, but I'm sure we'll we'll hear more about this. One thing's for sure, Gail Simone is one of those people who has a legion of fans who flock wherever she goes. So I'm curious as to what the sales figures will be once they establish this new creative team. Well, how big is her following? Thousands. Like I know Mackle Hanley loves her, but I've heard it's in the thousands. No way to judge, but you <laughs> from Matt, from Slim, just heard me two seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a real. How are you a reliable source? If you can't trust user edited content on Wikipedia, what can't you trust? I just heard you use that line literally forty-eight hours ago in the flesh. Uh, You're already recycling I material. I heard it was in the thousands. Uh, Who did you hear it from? Dale underscore A. What else is happening in the world of? Stuff in comics. Uh, this will. Uh, this is happens to be the most uh, prominent announcement. Uh, also in the DC creative teams off of titles, Scott Snyder off of Swamp Thing. Oh God! Trying really? to reorganize his life. <laughs> yeah, I think issue eighteen is going to be his last issue. Oh, and God. Uh, and obviously, 
Paul, Paul Cornell off of Demon Knights. And uh, that's that's that. So that's, uh, you know, in terms of DC news, creative team shifting. Uh, they got to have 52 books out because they're wedded to this dumb number. I'm and telling you right now, without Cornell, that uh, Demon Knights isn't going to be around for much longer. You heard it here, folks. First, <laughs> folks. Get you the wiki. Your, I Get just, the wiki. Did anyone else hear me say foist? Instead of first, uh, I just said it like Peter Falk. The internet will also hear that. Let's talk positivity for a second, okay? You look up positivity in the dictionary, you're looking at a picture of Daniel Acuna on the Uncanny Avengers arc, right? So that's uh, they just announced that he's going to be the new regular artist on Uncanny Avengers. <sighs> and... Mark, was it you that hates Daniel Acuna's art? Yeah, I was just thinking to myself, this sounds like a good a dropping off point. You are issue two. It's a good dropping off. It's point. issue six. Oh, but you need to you need to cool out, Mark. What is wrong with Daniel Acuna's magical art? It's too good. It's too good for it's you. Absolutely not good. Too good it's, for you. Is it too good? There's nothing good about it. What's wrong with it? In my opinion. I'm going to find out that Daniel Acuna is a longtime fan of the show, aren't I? <laughs> Name Somebody's your top, ready to top reveal five reasons why you don't like Daniel Acuna. He's art. actually at the top of the stairs of my house. He, like, let himself in. <laughs> He's, like, holding my son. He just got to the top of the steps, got right. a cup of coffee, and just walked in to hear Mark say how terrible he was. As he drops the coffee and runs out of just, your house crying. Yeah, just turns around slowly, puts Jack back down the package. He drew uh, Bendis Avengers issues. And they were the toughest ones to plow through. Oh my God. I just my can't word. get with his art. I don't like the vomit colors. on you. Don't like the pencils. None of it. Let's talk about the loophole of the whole story. Cassidy. Where's that sucker going? Huh? Loopholes, people. Cassagon. That's where he Cass- is. He's finished. Cassidy late and a dollar <laughs> short. Right? Cassidy don't. He's going right? to be doing covers, but I don't even know if I really want him on covers. I don't like his covers that much anymore. Yeah, give me one example of a of a cover you don't. Uh, like. Every cover he's done for Lone Ranger, junk. Okay, you name, uh, the cover that they showed today of Thor versus the Apocalypse. Apocalypse is wearing like some kind of yellow chest plate, freaking me out. Doesn't even look like Apocalypse. Get out of here, Cassidy on covers. Get out of here. Stink. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> so I'm 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 tickled pink that uh, Acuna. Is coming on monthly penciler, regular artist. You're going to Olivier Coipel fill in on issue five, and then you're going Akenya. I mean, just just can't. take my wallet and just stick it up my rear end. Do whatever you want so with you, it. You just really can't beat that, though. I mean, that's that is uh, some good. What is Coipel doing monthly? Why can't he do a Mar- uh, Uncanny Avengers? Can you imagine Coipel? And Acuna shifting on the monthly duties? Honest, I can't even follow this conversation <laughs> with your weird accents. Coipel should be the lead artist on Uncanny Avengers. I can get with him. And I'd get with you if that happened. Mm-hmm. You should be so lucky. Guys. Daniel Acuna, you know that picture of the Scream? That's hey. who all of Daniel Acuna's characters look like. The Scream? Just this, the Scream, that Was abstract... That painting of never mind never mind are you getting, are you getting cerebral right now art Dale historian what else do you have anything you're not art enthusiologist mark farrington that's van gogh isn't it i Just think that is what well, it was van gogh the guy that lost his let's year. van gogh to the next topic you 
You arrogant bastards! You knew exactly <laughs> what I was talking. Next topic. Do we have any next, next topic? topic? We're running out of tape. Do you have any, Do you have any I, other no, news items? The news is we're running out of tape. All right, that's the news. Let's get this show on the road. I want to talk to uh, just survived cancer firsthand. <laughs> we got the news via text. You mean text. right hand? Uh, Jonesy loves cancer free. What are you reading this week? I have read Exo Man of War number seven. You, uh, Slim, are you still keeping up with this title? Oh yeah, I love it. Man, it is it is peaking right now with issue seven. Uh, the Vine, the evil alien race that created the Exo armor, or did it? Is sure. uh, has seeded the earth, and uh, now that they found out the armor has chosen uh, a human to be its wielder, they've uh, marked the earth for complete annihilation. So they can get the armor back and kind of figure out why it picked a human and kind of pick it apart and do experiments on XL. So back on Earth, the leader of the vine on Earth, which is essentially like a half human, half vine, uh, what do you call that, uh, hybrid, uh, decides that he doesn't want his home planet annihilated. He thinks he could do it better leading it on his own he could do the vine race better so he breaks exo out of ninjack prison and Mm -hmm. proceeds to try to convince him you know hey we've been seeding this planet for years with half uh half vine half humans that don't know of their vine heritage you know with your help we could grow our own army and fight off the invasion force with uh ninjack as like our helper, their so, family tree, if you will, they're uh, they're poised <laughs> to go activate the rest of the uh, Vine army. Got it's it. uh, pretty great. I, I I look forward to how they're going to try to convince these people. One, this is your real heritage, and two, there's an alien race coming to kill us all. That I mean, the the writing and the pacing are so excellent on this title. I think everybody should be reading it. I I don't know if everybody got on board with the Valiant relaunch. I mean, this is the only title I started picking up, but it, if they're all like this, I might start going back and get the issues. Uh, this is great. I've heard pretty good things about Archer and Armstrong from Fred Van Lenty. Archer and Armstrong? What's the premise of that book? That's uh, in the olden times of The Valiant. It was about this monkish character that was uh, proficient in violence, and then he teamed up with this uh, big brutish guy to take down this worldwide conspiracy. Uh, Who was like strong in the arms? Uh, he was a strong armed man in the yeah. in the eighties uh, comic, or was it the nineties? I can't tell. But he was raised in this kind of Christian family. The the kid that is the archer, um, and he his parents were like this, these evangelicals on like you know the seven hundred club television show. And then they found out that he walked into their bedroom one night and they were like uh, having sex with and then murdering these young parishioners. And then he, they, they kicked him out of the family when he found out. It was pretty crazy Spoilers. first issue. It, you know who drew it was uh, Barry Windsor Smith. Oh, okay, hang on. <laughs> is, is it in the app? I'm going to buy it right now. It is in the app. Go Live forth. Distractions. LiveDistractions.com slash cancer. I'm I'm gonna need uh I'm gonna need a couple minutes to myself. Yeah, I haven't uh the Valiant relaunch was uh it's very interesting to me and I'm I'm I guess you could say I'm waiting for the trades. Mm. Because I just uh 
it, it snuck up on me and I didn't have a chance to purchase, you know, we've, my budget. You've, is, you've remortgaged. Is, this is all hardcovers. It's all juicy and girthy enough. So, you know, I just had to hold up, hold, pull it back, rein it back in. <laughs> you know, I just realized is, I'm sorry, Mark. I just realized that this show will post the week after the fear agent hardcover will have been released. There could mm. be there could be huge fear agent emotional things happening in my life, and we'll, we'll have to wait another week to hear about it. I apologize. You won't even remember this guy <sighs> next time you God. hear it. I'll be a different person. When was the Valiant uh, publisher popular? When did they have their big uh, surge? 90s? Early 90s? 92? 91, 92? Yeah. Okay. Because I was never a big Valiant guy. I know the titles, but I never read them, and... I wasn't sure if that was just something I missed completely. Those are books that you can find a ton of in like uh, old toy shops that put like tables in the sidewalk full of fifty cent comics. Like that's uh, all okay. Valiant comics. You guys are drawing the ire of all the OGs. Listen to this show right now, okay? <laughs> With your facts and figures about the early nineties. Just somewhere just... is Don Garvey just like plot plotting right now when he's on his way to work? <laughs> is he pooping? Just pump the brakes, all right? Somewhere in the future, Dog Teeth is throwing a pencil against the wall, marching <laughs> yeah. upstairs to complain to Dale about our lack of valiant knowledge. Inside jokes. And then tweeting the whole Congress, retweeting the whole Congress. Uh, Dale underscore A, VP of merch design uh, coddling. I, I just have to ask, is there any other VP spots on this board that maybe I could get involved with, or Dale just there, has them all? There actually would have to be a vote taking place between Dale and I, and <laughs> uh, preliminary answer is no. <laughs> we'll we'll send you a letter letting you know how the vote went. In the next 60 days? Yeah. Dale, what are you reading we, right now? The board meetings aren't scheduled until after, after the holidays anyway, so. Uh, Detective Comics number 15, the... <sighs> Death in the family tie-in because they mentioned the Joker's name <laughs> once. Uh, John Lehman, Jason Fabok. Uh, it's about Clayface and Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy has duped Clayface with her pheromonial, uh, chlorophyllial powers. And uh, and subdued Clayface into thinking that they've been married, and Poison Ivy has recruited Clayface's uh, strong arm sensibilities to protect her and to do her bidding. And Batman, while trying to defend himself from Clayface, is also trying to help Clayface and convince him that Poison Ivy is just a a lion, uh, you know, T Rick trick. That sounds too bad. Um, and and death in the family really pretty much has nothing to do with this whole thing. Uh, Poison Ivy's buried in a box, airtight box, uh, by the penguin. Excellent. And uh, the huge reveal at the end, the emperor penguin is someone... That you should be concerned with <laughs> if you gave a poop. Uh, it was a good Batman issue. I'm a little annoyed, you know, with the with the liberties that the tie-ins take mm-hmm. with any with any event. Um, and the Emperor Penguin, I just didn't really care about. 
but uh, John Lehman is trying to pick up the pieces from this detective run that I didn't read any of, but I've heard that he's trying to pick up the pieces. And the art is quite good. Jason Fabok draws a good clay face. I like, and I like his art. I think he's going to be a big name in this DC Comics. Yeah, I think I think it's really, really, really nice. Um, How about his... And John Lehman, I love from Chew. He's doing a good job. He made a, he made Batman tell an inner monologue joke that Clayface was thorny, <laughs> and it just really like gave me the icky chills. Whenever like a lead but, balloon. Yeah, I'm just like ew, not not really, but otherwise, uh, solid issue. Mark, your thoughts on Layman's Detective Comics? You guys are gonna. Give me, rip me a new one for this, but I was annoyed at this issue from the cover because it's the exact same cover as Batman number 13 starting the Death of the Family run. Yeah, but it, it was, it looked like his face was colored differently, like he had a tan in this cover. And maybe they changed the color of the logo. Other than that, it's the exact same thing. So I was turned off immediately. Mm-hmm. Cracked open the book, and Fabox art to me. It's very David Finch reminiscent. I thought I had to go back and check it. David Finch is like considered his mentor in the industry. Really? Okay. And on the, Did not on know the that. issues of The Dark Knight, when Finch was like running late when he was trying to write it at the same time, I'm almost positive J- this same artist helped him on finishes in those issues. Don't quote me. They would that. make a great tag team art team because. Flipping through a book, you could never tell that they're switching out. I actually um, like I like his art more than Finch's current style. But I will say that I, I picked up the last issue of The Dark Knight. And when Finch doesn't have to worry about writing, it's actually pretty good. There was a, It was a really creepy storyline happening with the Scarecrow. And it's really darker and grittier than Finch's usual stuff. How was Batman's nightmare mouth, though, on the cover? Was that quality? Um, his, what was your running bit about his? What was the the nightmare mouth tweet you had the one day that made me want to wet myself? Something about his his bat, his Joker mouth. <laughs> it's a known fact that Batman books with uh, Batman having a nightmare mouth sells infinitely more copies. <laughs> you know where there's lips are sewn together, uh-huh. or he's got you know crocodile teeth. I don't know. Now the, the issue was really I was impressed that it was a David Finch drawn. I think Greg Hurwitz wrote it, but the guy who wrote Penguin Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, and I I was I thought it was good. I think the the Dark Knight stuff is finally getting interesting. It just took a different writer to get on it. I'd agree with you a hundred percent with a uh, Hurwitz on the Dark Knight. I've actually been reading it too, and night and day difference. And it's... that book sells like hotcakes too. That I think that's like behind Batman is one of the most popular Batman books. Wow, really? Yeah. That do you I think didn't it's know. Do you think it's just the name, the title? Yeah, I think so. It's just another Batman I, solo book and yeah. yeah. That might have to be the next maybe book I check out. Maybe. Start with the the current run. Skip the rest. I think yeah, the first yeah. like ten issues had to do with uh Two Face on steroids. Oh God. <laughs> ten issues. Something like that. And then there was a Mad Hatter story because Superman was in it. Mm-hmm. It was nothing worth your time, Dale. Let's uh, let's switch it up here. Uh, we're running way late. I think is it my uh-huh. turn? I think it's my turn. Baltimore, uh, Dark Horse Comics. Jonesy just uh, released himself in his pants. I can <laughs> see it right now. 
you beautiful man. You're beautiful. I love when you review it. I love Baltimore as reviewed by others. It's so good. Mm. This mm-hmm. was a very strange issue. It was, this is a Baltimore one-shot. You know, the last, I think, round was a two-parter. Number 13 in the series. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. That uh, made my jeans tight. You know, this is our dear friend Baltimore on the the prowl again for his arch enemy, Haggis, the vampire. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the, the cut over his eye. So he's on the move, but he stumbles into this town that had a play happening inside the town. Uh, Baltimore is just a, a hair too late, so they go backwards. They say, you know, two weeks previous, there's this play being... Um, rehearsed and haggis is overseeing everything he's funding it and there's this attractive woman who has caught his one working eye and uh it's it's, it's like it's it's hard to explain it's just he's funding this play in this town and he's infatuated with this this woman but he doesn't know why and but the the director is also infatuated with her and it turns out that the director has someone on the inside, you know, telling him what to say to this woman to win her affection, and it's Edgar Allan Poe's decapitated head in a in a Futurama-esque bowl. <laughs> and yeah. I, I was so stunned when I got to this page. I was like, what on earth is happening right now? And it's just so bizarre. And it turns out that Edgar Allan Poe, he is infatuated with this woman but there's a there's this wacky kind of muse poet connection that they have together where she's kind of she's got a power over Edgar Allan Poe as well as the director and as well as Haggis and the issue actually doesn't even involve Baltimore by the time he gets to this location this play in this scenario is already played out and there's there's nothing really left for him to do um but it was such a different issue than the the previous issues of the series. Dale, what, you read this, right? Yeah, I read this and uh, I enjoyed it. And but you're right, it was it was strange. Uh, I thoroughly was entertained by it. It didn't have like it was weird because it didn't kind of like it didn't really have the comedic value of like Jules Verne's brain in Mystery Society. Mm-hmm. It was just like. It was just there. There was no surprise or shock. I was just like, oh, it's Edgar Allan Poe's head in a jar. <laughs> and uh, the, you know, the whole town is like suffering from the plague and everybody's dying and the and the theater is like falling apart around itself. And uh, I, I, like, I, re- I thought it was really cool at the end when Baltimore is like strolling off in the last panel and everybody recognizes the, uh, like Haggis's, I guess... Red Death construct mm-hmm. was like uh, I told you if we if you just if we let him mosey along we can start this play again or something. Yeah. I was very entertained by the book, but yeah. it just wasn't Baltimore like you would you know recognize. I mean, I was fine. I enjoyed that they went a totally different route and it reminded me probably because of the play scenario of that Why the Last Man. I would I really enjoyed Why the Last Man until it got to that weird offshoot play storyline that lasted what felt like five issues and mm-hmm. then it, t- yeah, it totally yeah. took derailed me off that series and I didn't want to read it anymore but in this case it was just the Baltimore one issue it's a story about Haggis and this muse and Alan, Edgar Allan Poe's decapitated head in a jar who talked to people 
I thought it was cool to see a haggis like not just trolling through towns and killing people. Like, yeah, he was he humanized had, like, in the issue. Yeah, yeah. He was like funding this play to go on, and he was like had some culture in him, even though he was a vampire with like minions, t- like turning mm-hmm. stagehands and stuff. It was it was kind of cool in that aspect. There was a weird thing in the letters page where I guess Dark Horse Richard Corbin is doing ad- an adaptation of one or one of Edgar Allan Poe's works. Did you read that section? Yeah, it was the the conquering worm or something yeah. like that? Was that? I want to grab that. Yeah, that looked uh, but very. I, I felt like it was a weird coincidence that Edgar Allan Poe was in this book, and then also, hey, Dark Horse is also adapting this work by Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> yeah, and they and they also have another one coming out in January or February. I wonder. You're right. I wonder if that was kind of wrenched in there. Maybe. But the but the play they were the whole play they were reenacting was based on the work of Poe, so yeah. maybe it's just a strange coincidence. Maybe. Or maybe this gave him the idea to do the other stuff. Uh, Mark Farrington, what's your favorite Dark Horse book right now? It's probably the only two Dark Horse books I've ever read. Conan and Hellboy. Hmm. I'm really digging uh, the new 47 Ronin book, not that anybody asked me. But, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, that's a great book. Stan Sakai all the way. I love you, Stan. <laughs> Mark, what did you... Uh, did we talk to you yet? Did you start us off or no? You did not. You were so thoroughly disgusted by my intro, you skipped me. <laughs> yeah, I was lightning round. Uh, am I, are we ready for the lightning round, people? <laughs> what What are you reading this week, Mark? Punisher Warzone number two oh. by Greg Rucka and Carmine <sighs> Di Gian Domenico. After <laughs> Captain America's mission statement to the Avengers that they will bring in Frank Castle, the Punisher. This issue follows Natasha Romanoff as she goes around the world in search of Frank Castle. She is goes from France to Italy to China. You name it, she's going there. And she's constantly two steps behind the Punisher. She finally makes her way to Africa. She's being led through some of the more dangerous regions by a group of poachers. Halfway through into this wasteland of a jungle, they turn on her. Natasha fights off these people. She ropes them up, and right as she turns her back trying to survey the land, the Punisher from far away starts sniping the poachers she just captured. They fight. He runs away. He leads her to a village full of sick children. She calls Cap and says, hey, I can't leave. Um, What do you want me to do? He says, take care of business. Let's send in the big guns. Thor grabs his hammer, and then the issue ends. For a series that's only five issues long, and it's about one crazy gun-toting vigilante against the Avengers, this book has no business being as entertaining as it is. Mm. Is anyone else reading this? Mm. Is this uh, based on those teaser images of, like, everybody dead around him? Yeah. The, it oh, is. Wow. I'll tell you what, Rucka... Rucka's Punisher is so amazing. The if you if you haven't, Mark, you need to go read his The Punisher run uh, that I talked about a few weeks back. It's amazing. It like it sucks. I think the sales don't back it up, and that's why they're doing this Warzone as like a separate series. Because I read that you know I was saying uh, when I first heard about Simone's thing, I was like, you don't see Marvel doing this to anybody. But they kind of did with Ruckus Punisher. They kind of just told him, they were like, hey, we're putting the Punisher in a team book and we don't want you writing it. That's what yeah. Thunderbolt storyline is. So when this wow. when this is over, Ruckus done with Marvel. This is like, I think when this miniseries is over, he's he's pretty much not going to write anymore. 
So he's this story is it for him and the Punisher. It's just it's so great. It's literally so great. It's a heck of a swan song. And full disclaimer, I'm not a Punisher fan. I've read two issues of Punisher, and that's only because they crossed over with Spider-Man and Daredevil. But I'm loving this. This is just cool. I didn't He's like not I that. didn't like the art that much in the first issue, but I'm starting to warm up to it. I think the writing is so good that that's what takes over. What? Yeah. Fact. God, can, that's it. It's going on my wish list. And the thing about it, too, is... I keep looking at this story for face value because it's the Punisher. It's a guy with guns versus a team of Spider-Man, Wolverine, who, oh, by the way, knows the Punisher isn't guilty of whatever crime he's being charged of and is kind of leading the way for him against his Avengers teammates' knowledge. Captain America, Thor. So it's how in the world is this book going to end? There's no way he can take him. So to go in with, I don't want to say low expectations, but... It's just a solid read. Well, has anyone ever read Rucka's novels? Isn't he also a popular novelist? He is. Never I wonder, read him. I wonder what the difference is between his original work and his uh, comic book work. I, th- I think he had Marvel Knights for a while, too, right? Wasn't it really good? Uh, like Daredevil, Spider-Man, Elektra. He wrote that? Echo. Didn't he? Can we get the answer? I, I, he, he, I think he had something he, to do with that. He had a Spider-Man title because it was like the web of Spider-Man. Yeah, I I have Web of Spider-Man issues with him on it. And he was famous for his detective comics run. That's where he got really big. Gotham Central. Gotham Central, right. But I don't... I've never read any of his novels. That first story arc where they take out the Firefly. Great, great stuff. Did you ever read further with Dead Robin? Lightning Round. (laughs) Uh, Starting with myself. The Adversary Reborn, an Asylum Press title. If you are a fan of angelic and demonic mythology fiction and strong female characters, you will enjoy this title. Thunderbolts, number one. They told Greg Rucka that Punisher was going to be on a team book. This is the first issue of a Marvel Now book that made me go up inside myself. (laughs) Give Punisher back to Rucka. Cable Volume 2. By Dwayne Swizerinski and Ariel Olivetti. Cable protecting baby Hope from evil one-armed bishop. The art is good-looking and the story is entertaining. Rebuttal. Voltron, year one, number six. Before Eris, before Voltron, they were Squadron 686. Having grown too powerful, the Galaxy Alliance sent 686 on an impossible mission, not hoping they succeed, but that they die trying. 
It's like a full paragraph. <laughs> I've got footnotes <laughs> and everything. Rebuttal on the sentence length. Justice <laughs> Society America Golden Age by James Rob Insin, Mark's boy, and also my boy, Paul Smith. You know, you might remember him from a little book called Uncanny X-Men. You ever heard of this? Huh? Yeah, I've read X-Men before. Oh, yeah. Um, this is an Elseworlds book. I don't want to get everyone's hopes up, but this is an Elseworlds book. You know? This takes place out of continuity. Inside myself. Up inside myself again. <laughs> Uh, Jonesy, what is what's what is this book? What is it? JSA is is a four issue mini, although you couldn't tell by the page length that it was mini anything. Uh, and it is about the re- quotey fingers real story behind the JSA's involvement during wartime World War Two. It is told primarily in flashback form in the first issue where Mr. Quick, a, uh, a speedster, much like The Flash, is going to make a film about where are superheroes now. You find out that superheroes were banned from fighting in the war and stayed uh, stateside, but they weren't really banned. They come to discover that the Nazis had their own superheroes And one of them had the power to negate the powers of others. So superheroes stayed. And that allowed men, normal men, to gain the upper hand with, like, the atomic bomb and uh, with politics. It's a very... The whole book is a deconstruction of a lot of the politics and influences of that era. So the plot continues on... uh, as revisiting all these characters for the JSA. And it also weaves this uh, B-plot of one of the heroes of World War II uh, called the Americamando. Am I saying that right? Americamando? The American? (laughs) The American. And uh, he's got like seven names. But he returns back after the war as a, a hero, and he starts manipulating that fame into a political career. Along the way, he starts his own government-backed super team, one that's based on the ideals of fighting the Soviets and uh, is trying to boost American supremacy. He takes an old sidekick and kind of uses atomic technology to uh, transform him into the Superman, if you will. And... uh, is this a long intro? Is this why you're uh, snoring at me? So cut to the end, the last issue, where, you know, the uh, the other shoe has dropped. A villain called the Anti-Humanite, the Ultra-Humanite. Ultra-Humanite. The Ultra-Humanite has actually transferred his brain into this character and has transferred Hitler's brain into the sidekick, y'all. So Hitler is now an American Superman. And the JSA... Our original founding members basically has to come back and fight against him and stop him and lead the way to the Silver Age. That was almost as bad as Mark's intro to the show. I got so bored during that intro. It wasn't any fault of Jonesy. It was just, uh, maybe it was just the book. Who knows? Who knows? Stay we'll t- talk about it. Stay tuned. Uh, I want to go last with my opinions. Oh, he wants to wait. He's going to play close to the vest. 
Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna gauge see what everybody else says first. Kenzie loves uh, flip flops. <laughs> this book backpedaling dot I mean, com. Uh, I was kind of uh, depressed to find that it was an Elseworlds title. I really wanted to get a, a JSA in there um, that m- mattered or was 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 whatever. But James Robinson, I mean, the man can write, and he he wrote a lot of words this time around, but. It was uh, very entertaining. the 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 story, as told through flashbacks, was very creative and very um, uh, flowy. You know, it made it all made sense. Um, I thought the reasoning for the superheroes to kind of fade into the background. I thought the reasonings that that there were no superheroes fighting the war was pretty effective because you know one would question such a thing that all the superheroes are back stateside while the uh, the american human soldiers are dying left and right over in europe um but uh, great 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 it was great. a four issue four issue uh, maxi like 700 pages or something. It was like... <laughs> I mean, it was an omnibus f- broken into four, four Clocked issues. in the 470 pages at issue. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a lot. But um, it was... Yeah, it was great. I think it was great. At well, least good. Mark, you're you're the James Robinson president fan club f- co-founding member. Right? Can you confirm that? Who's the other founding member? Uh, your split personality, your pink polo shirt that you're wearing right now. <laughs> uh, what did you think of uh, Elseworlds? Is this like your ninth reading? Get, break it down for us. I have never read this book. Spoilers. I read read the main. I never read this book. Not in the bubble bath is what he really <laughs> means to say. I have went into this for the first time. Uh, Long time JSA reader, so I kind of wanted to see what it was. James Robinson JSA couldn't go wrong i agree with you guys completely about the length uh i liked it but it it wasn't a home run to me it wasn't great um i think i couldn't hand this to anybody because the jsa just knowing who these characters are and their history it can be kind of daunting like did you guys find it easy to pick this up and figure out who people were no, and what their backstory absolutely. was. No, in fact, that was my gripe with the book is that I loved when you had us read Starman. I really liked James Robinson's writing. And but I mean it really didn't tickle my fancy to go see, you know, who these characters really were. But I felt like what was really preventing me from getting into the book is I felt like I was missing so much backstory and I felt to a degree I was kind of expected to know right a lot of the backstory off the bat. I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but like when they mentioned like uh Manhunter, they kind of expect you to already know where he's coming from to kind of get his storyline. I thought the same thing with Starman in this book. And if if, if it's a four issue maxi Elseworlds why do I need to know a lengthy background of all the characters? And it, it, James Robinson's a great writer. I, the art's great. I mean, I love these big mythological stories and like the Watchmen esque 
way they go into the real lives of superheroes. Same thing with like Justice League New Frontier or um like Kingdom Come. Like I love that story that kind of story. But I felt because I didn't know anything about these characters, like I really couldn't find myself getting into it. I could easily see that in knowing these characters really well, it was taxing my memory just to follow the story. I thought James Robinson did a great job of establishing what the world was that they were inhabiting. And I think it was also the worst part of this because he invested so much time and so many words into what was going on, where the JSA was. This was right before they were called before the HUAC, the House of Un-American Activities Commission. And it really didn't invest too much into who they were as people, aside from Green Lantern, Our Man, uh, Johnny Quick, and a couple other people. There was so much going on in here that it just, he sacrificed character development for establishing time. Pillhead Man. Pillhead Man, Mr. Miracle. No, yeah, Mr. Miracle. I did like. No, not Mr. Miracle. I did find myself really liking the Arrow or, or Arrow Our Man, Our Man. Um, side story, where you kind of find out he's like addicted to his own powers, and he's actually less than an hour because he gets high off of them. I I guess there was so much in there, like padding all that because maybe it was supposed to be an Elseworld standalone story, like maybe it was just. You know, not padded, but there was so much mythology and backstory, but not backstory because it could truly stand on its own and read. Like, it kind of did read, like, Watchmen-esque with maybe not as many, like, descriptive big words about the dirty women of society and and all that. But, yeah, it kind of felt... I did get a Watchmen vibe from it. When I was reading, I felt like there was some Watchmen esque mm-hmm. happenings. Um, but I, I, the first issue, I just remember being it's difficult to slog through some of the people and some of the characters without having any previous knowledge. But I mean, it was very well written. I thought I loved how he wrote the series, and I rem- and I like as I got to the last issue I started to really remember bits and pieces of the series from Wizard I remember I think they did like a top 50 countdown of like shocking moments in comics or shocking elseworld moments and as I got to see more of Dynaman and I was like oh wait a minute I think I remember what's happening here where they talked about how Hitler's brain was moved Mm -hmm. into this person's body during the experiment and I thought that was super cool I thought that made up for the slogging of the first three issues. Like, I mean, it could have been, I think it could have been done in three issues or two yeah, issues really at that, at, at 50 pages or a hundred page giant. Maybe. Yeah. It felt like a kind of a nice, a nice surprise. I guess I didn't expect the book to take that turn to get super villainy. Yeah. I thought it was all going to be politics and, uh, Amer- the America Mando, Mr. America, Tex Thompson, uh, just running for a presidency and convincing the American people that they needed to go to war with the Soviet Russia and China and all that it stuff. Kind of, it kind of fell apart, I think, at the end because the whole beginning of the series is building up Tex Thompson 
as, you know, the hero, and then he goes into the Senate. I think the Dynaman, Diana Man, Dynamite Man, Hitler Man, kind of he kind of just like s- spills in for me, where I felt like it became Thompson slash Hitler at the end. Uh, but the one thing I really did like about the series was the scene um, where they talk about this this random hero guy who who becomes Comet Man. Uh, you know, he he mm-hmm. like try he's trying to prove himself at the final battle, and then the guys just like pass him off because he doesn't even have a name and then when he finally does go up to fight Hitler he's like immediately pushed to the side and seemingly murdered and the people were like oh my god who was that and the guy's like it doesn't even matter who that was <laughs> and I thought that was like a great ending to that character and I was like wow it's pretty dark the guy was built up to be this hero and then he's just dead off screen <laughs> yeah and I was like wow that's pretty dark Watchmen-esque or you know whatever you want to call it but then he eventually comes back um, and then does that really that what becomes the the magazine cover of his face, you know, re, you know, ready for death. Um, I thought that was that was cool, but I, I, I maybe it fell apart at the end. And it lost its vision. I mean, for me and how I interpret it, um, but I did like the Hitler aspect of it. You know, one of my favorite parts about this was uh, Mister America, Tex Thompson, kind of the image of the hero who sold out. I liked that he was this second or third string hero. He goes over to Germany, comes back a war hero. He works his way up the ladder. He's gets into politics. He becomes an American hero in the traditional sense. And he kind of sold out on his original principles. I thought that was a cool character arc. I think it was always, uh, I was always leery of like, who's controlling him? Like, is he the puppet for, you know, the government at large or something like that? It never ended up getting that payoff but it was always like that the suspect you were always suspect of him because he's like all about taking down Russia and he's spe- you know speaking for uh the government to back a, a super powered team of their own spot mm-hmm. that's sponsored by the government how about when hitler was doing cocaine in like 1945 <laughs> that's yeah, right. crazy i didn't even i mean i guess it was around back then but I mean, he got yeah, access to I mean, good some, stuff yeah something like that 50s or what when he was snorting that cocaine up i was, yeah, it was like, like whoa i was like 49 i think cocaine man and slim to your point there's a shot in page 4 to, uh, your, to point, your point drink. drink there in issue 4 where Hitler Man is tearing through the JSA, and Alan Scott, the Green Lantern, is flying above him and says, Villain, you are history. That's the iconic shot from this book that Wizard plastered everywhere that's mm. like in the top ten comic book slugfests. I wish I still issues. had my Wizards, because those their dissecting of Marvels and Kingdom Come into like the, the spe- they were like essentially the special features of those books. Those are amazing, and you can't find those online. They're not like repurposed into an, an into an article. You can borrow mine if you want. I still have them all in long box. Fax them over to me. Word. <laughs> Jonesy, you're not saying a whole lot about this book. You look just bemused. No, no, no. I I think I just I don't have a lot to say. Like. Um, you know, part of it is because, you know, we just recorded Thursday, like there was a lot of power reading just to like get through the high page count. And Yeah, we were blindsided. We were like, Oh, four issue arc. That's so yeah, well, this would be great. Yeah. But the, I I don't think there was enough super great stuff to kind of pull me out and really get me involved in this book. Like I said, I was too confused by the backstory 
which was frustrating to read. And um, it sucks when you have a writer like James Robinson when, like, you realize the technical skills are so good, you almost feel guilty for not being able to get into the story. I know I did. I had, like, a little, you know, twinge of guilt. I was like, it's James Robinson. Like, yeah. I, need, I need to like this. But I just can't get into it. And there are, there are plenty of times when, like, I read four pages and be like, wait, what did I just read? <laughs> we'll have to flip back and read it again. So, But I think this would be better served for someone who, like Mark, is kind of really into the DC continuity and is looking for a story that's, like I said earlier, like a Kingdom Come, you know, analogy for the Justice Society. I just, it wasn't for me. This isn't, I'm not the audience this book is for. And... I agree with you. You're not the audience that this book is looking for, and I feel like bad. That. Well, I feel like that. If you're not going to be, we don't want you. I especially feel bad for someone like Dale, who was coming into this trying to read a good JSA story and wonder why they were cool. This doesn't show it. I don't think that somebody would walk away saying, okay, and no cat I get the JSA, and no cat. There was no cat. Wildcat. Thank um, you for that. It's true. Even... An extensive JSA knowledge like mine, it's just, this book was good, not great. Rest in peace, Elseworlds. We got your letters, I'm gonna open them up, Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com, we want to hear from you about why Dale is upsetting you this week. You know, VP of upsetting our listeners and friends of the show. I can't even get that spot on the board. VP of upsetting. Uh, <laughs> I practically created that department. Uh, Mark, did we get any letters in this in the short interim of this turnaround? I mean, we literally are recording seconds after the previous episode. We got a couple letters in, actually. I'll start with Jeffries, who is doing the equivalent of the listener lightning round. I love it when people do that. All right. Oh, God. Who are you telling? It says, and I quote, Ultron War, yay or nay? I want to make sweet face love to that hitch art. Mm. <laughs> sweet Jeffrey. face love. I'd say yay, Ultron War, bring it on. I'm on the fence. It, hitch will be drawing half of it. And then Carlos Pacheco and Brandon Peterson on the second half. I don't know how I feel about that. Stay tuned for the uh, Ultron Nightmare Mouth variant, though. <laughs> I'm with Slim on the fence. If you need an answer, I am more yay than nay. Mm. You heard it here first. Jonesy looks unconscious, so I don't think he'll be commenting. No, it's just, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm trying to gear up for my eh, Dead response. off camera. <laughs> my hand's actually taking over the rest of my body as we speak. Other letter we got is from Briggs, who wanted to apologize for not reading your letter last time out, Briggs. It is, and I quote... Best first name in America right now? Briggs. Yeah, right. Martin Briggs. So happy that the Fantastic Four have returned to my ear holes. The constant teases on Twitter were almost too much for my little heart to take. Enough of the sweet talk about this Marvel now. In my opinion, the clear frontrunner is Matt Effing Fraction. Dude is kilting it. Absolutely love Remendo's Captain America. Was blown away by all new X-Men. Honestly, have loved every issue I've read so far. What's everyone's favorite now title? Upcoming title you're most anticipating. 
How many more books will Marvel put Wolverine in? Will the Cape Crusader and the Boy Wonder ever escape the mad clutches of the Riddler in time to save the day? In closing, so good to have you guys back. Look forward to seeing the familiar phrase pop up on Twitter telling me to refresh those feeds. P.S. Brilliant idea. Hawkeye Daredevil crossover. Best Marvel event ever. Mm, man, that's beautiful. You heard it here first. Uh, Favorite Br- Marvel Now title. Briggs. All new X-Men for Let's me. Just, Briggs. Let's just run off to no Vermont shock. and get married. All right. <laughs> uh, Thor by Jason Aaron for me. No shock to anybody. Really? All right, so this letter is a little late, so I vote we say most anticipated from here on out. That hasn't been released yet. Go. Uh, I will go with Uncanny X-Men by Bendis and Pacheco. Bacelo, Bacelo. God, why would you ever just just rattle my heart like that by getting (laughs) Bacelo off that? Pacheco is a fine artist. I'm going to say the new Spider-Man title. Superior? Superior Spider-Man. I want to see who will be under the mask, if you will. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think I'd go Superior Spider-Man as well. It's got to be Uncanny X-Men. With Bacalo. Bacalo is just... God, he's so good. He's He's redesigning the costumes, Dale. I'm not sure if you're aware. Whoa! Right. Yeah, I changed my answer. You're right because he is just flip flop two drinks. <laughs> How? But have Jay you seen bag. those previews for Cyclops' new visor? Yeah, it just looks bad. Well, you know his powers are changing now, Mark. The Phoenix Five have warped his and uh, Emma Frost and Magneto's powers. Oh, I know. I read All New X Men number three. So does he just have control over his powers now? He doesn't. I didn't really control. get that. I didn't get the gist of that. It's like they're out and of control. So I just know that now the blasts have a little ring around them. That's about all I got. That signifies not being in control. We oh, all doesn't? we all know <laughs> that optic blasts with the swirly equals not in control. <laughs> oh duh! I forgot that in my mutant handbook. X Men Doctorate Slim I, Twitter. Yeah, I have that framed behind me. You just can't see it. What a show! What an absolute delight of a show with James Robinson's uh, Golden Age. I agree uh, with that statement. I mean, I mean, the book wasn't for us. I agree that statements were made. <laughs> <laughs> would you put that statement in the statement column? And what would, uh, you, what would, would you rate that? It, the statement column uh, cannot be broken out of. It's just a regular <laughs> column. It's just a regular column. <laughs> yeah. uh, what a show. It's got no powers of its own. What a show. Uh, if you are if you have some free time, review us on iTunes. It helps spread the word about the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it pays Mark's bills. This is what is paying Mark's rent. This show. So rate us, please. It's too cold to be homeless. He's, he refuses to sell those wizard mags, so yeah. I'll <laughs> review the show. Absolutely I'll take them off your hands. Uh, we'll see everybody next week.
we had two rebuttals happen in that episode. Yeah, this is a uh, we like big rebuttals. We cannot lie. What was uh, who rebuttaled anniversary reborn? Mark did. No, I rebuttaled cable volume two. What, what are you about to rebuttal right now for my cable, my boy? The quality of that entire series. You're telling me the one armed bishop hot time hopping was a good story. I don't remember saying it was good. What did I? Let's check the tape. I said it was enter. I think I said entertaining. Yeah. Just because something is entertaining doesn't mean it's good. You can be entertained by filth, still filth, right? Cable's one of those characters to me where it's name five good issues of Cable. Right. I don't think he's ever had a good run. Can't do it. Oh, that's heartbreaking. It's impossible. I mean, do you not read Cable and Deadpool? I mean, that's just solid gold. <laughs> Deadpool is the epitome of everything I hate about comics. Oh, my. God, tell me what how I you really feel. So I guess we won't be reading any Deadpool in the book club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was another rebuttal. Someone had a rebuttal for, I wrote it down next to Adversary Reborn. I don't know what the hell that is, but somebody read it. I was my lightning around. Who had a rebuttal for it? I don't know. What was it about? What the f- what are you writing it's down? A, I my uh, my <laughs> rebuttal right next to it. It's the angelic and demonic mythology, strong female characters. Uh, all right. So let's go down the list. Someone said Thunderbolts number one. I had Cable and Voltron. Did any of those have a rebuttal? Negative. I mean, don't be throwing out re- the word rebuttal and not <laughs> anticipate having an actual rebuttal. Oh, oh, because uh, uh, Mark said or Dale said rebuttal of uh, length of the lightning round. Oh yeah, that is a true statement. He made a joke about uh, Mark taking the lightning round of seven paragraphs. I'm not. I'm not doing notes anymore. I'm done. (laughs) Do it. Free yourself. Free your mind, and the rest will follow. What are we gonna pick? Uh, I made a mental note that we haven't done a Marvel book since episode seventy-three point one for the book. You're all jacked up about it. Let's go to the doc. Getting real pissed. What do you want to read? Thanks for asking, Mark. Who loves you? Uh, you know, if I had not made this mention about Marvel books before, I would have suggested Kingdom Come. Believe it or not, wow! Is that a troll? I sense that, troll. That is not a troll. Is my that friend. on the embargo list? I thought it was actually for real. For real. I'm not sure if it was two for reals. I think it might have just been one for real. But <laughs> it's not. It is officially off the embargo list as we we talked about Astro City before. That's right. It's true. The embargo was done. It's it written by my favorite writer's favorite writer, so I'm on board. If we get there one day, um, but there, I mean, may, unless there's another Marvel book, I haven't seen you this excited in months. This and we're talking about maybe doing Kingdom Come. What if he You're told jumping you off the couch? What if he told you that he'd be willing to read Criminal? Oh, <laughs> Come on, that's the long troll. We're never going to do that. <laughs> now, th- now, if he, if he said redo Sec- Superman Secret Identity, I might both jump of those, off the couch. Both of those are what I consider golden embargoes. They'll, they'll never be <laughs> forever embargoes. Lifted, yeah, they're like sanctions. More. <laughs> I can't wait to dust off Kingdom Come. Uh, next week's issue will be the week of Christmas. I don't know if that will uh, matter or influence. I just wanted to throw mm-hmm. that out there. Well, yeah, next eighty will be the uh, Pollyanna book, right? Yeah, have you guys sent each other Pollyanna books? No, Slim, you need to text Great. me your uh, email address so I can send that to it's you. too much I pressure on his. I don't even remember who my Pollyanna is. Me. It's me. Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Crossing out Invincible. <laughs> uh, is there a Marvel book on our Google Doc, Dale? Any epic ones? Uh, yeah, that's the problem, epic ones. You're always looking for epic, you guys. I'm looking for big. What about B6 Iron Man run? 
I'm Kurt looking for Beeson. big. Sorry, no, he's not going to retweet. He's not going to retweet Dale. So why even bother? I'm I'm taking this off. I'm taking that off the list. One, we just did Busick. Two, until somebody nails down the actual issue numbers, we are never <laughs> ever reading Busick's Iron Man run. And I'm not. Nailed I'm telling you right now. I'm not. Numbers. I'm not going to research the issue numbers that we need to read. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I don't give an S. Jonesy is literally laying sideways <laughs> right now on the couch. I don't know what is happening. He's well. He's leaning on his bad arm. So I was giving out. Yeah, no wonder it's dead, and it's a dead, dead leg. It's a arm dead he's fish arm. Right now. Oh boy, I don't know. You when guys. the doctor says, "Oh, that's not good," you know it's not good. No. Uh, uh, what was the last Marvel book we read? The Infinity Marvels Gauntlet. I think no. it was the. When Thanos killed like half the population, I mean, are you are either of you going to pull out your phones and look, or am I going to have to? I mean, look at you. There's a carbon monoxide leak in that basement wherever you guys are. <laughs> yeah, we did Runaways in on seventy two. Oh, uh, that's okay. right. Yeah, Infinity Gauntlet was sixty seven. Seventy three point one was Fantastic Four. Alias Ms. Marvel. New Avengers. Alias is solid. I would Devil. reread that. I want to do. Did Devil. we read Young Avengers? No. No. no, that's an idea. I'm just gonna float that out there. Just gonna float it for now. How about Siege? Did anybody read Siege? What about Dark Avengers? Anybody had any interest in that? Was that any good? Uh, uh, oh wow. Uh, okay, uh, never mind, yeah. fellas. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to stew on it. Yeah, we're we'll running. We're running it. out of tape right now. There's no more tape. I like the running, pulse. Bendis and Malieve. The pulse. Or my bad, Pulse was Bendis and Bagley. I like Alias. Yeah, let's do Alias. Is that a yeah? The Private Eye. Yeah. Alias. Okay. I'll read that. Right. Yeah. Right. Do it. It's done. It was. There it is. It was Alias. Good. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be uh, polling for a Bendis retweet. I'll just. <laughs> I'll tweet him every ten minutes if I have to. You watch. He's too big for us. He's too big. We You'll can't be, get just Bendis. Just no, just uh, mention that you know somebody who works at Comicsology. You'll be fine. That's true. He's always tweeting from the Comixology app. I know. I notice. He is. I love him to death, that guy. He's convention retired, you know. I know. Just really? I miss that. I didn't know that. Can you review a Bendis book, Slim? I know you guys are boys. <laughs>